This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Episode 8 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Joe, and with me this week are Lucas. Oi, 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 how we doing? Tommy. Hey, what's up? And Scott. Hello. Excellent. How's it going, guys? I'm um, not bad. How are you guys? Very, very good. Feel a little more optimistic. It's good now. to be. I was say, it's good to be on after a win. I can't remember the last time I was on that. We had a positive set to talk about. It's a strange sensation, isn't it? And before we get into that, I guess um, first bit of, bit of housekeeping. So you might notice I'm not Anthony. We do have slightly different uh, voices. Anthony's away on vacation um, for a few weeks, so I'm I'm filling in today. And I think with you know with Anthony missing the podcast, with Facebook and social media crashing, and Tottenham winning twice in a week. I think we're some harbingers for the apocalypse going on at, at the moment with some of this craziness, but we can we can get straight into the the most shocking of those events, which is Tottenham having a good week. Um, on Thursday, which was September the 30th, we won 5-1 versus the mighty, or not so mighty, mm-hmm. FC, <laughs> FC Mura from Slovenia. Um Actually, we've got a question to kickstart this uh, discussion. So, Tommy, what, what's the question, sir? Uh, it's our, yeah, our question's from, well, it's more of a meme. Well, it is a meme of, from Fry from Futurama. He just responded with, uh, can't tell if Mira sucks or Spurs finally stepping it up. So, <laughs> your guys' take? Uh, right. Scott, what do you think? I well to to be honest, I missed the there I missed the first two goals. Um I was I had to do some stuff and it came home late. But uh, you know, when once once they got settled well, actually no. I was really disappointed up until they started switching out the players for, you know, for Harry Kane and and Son and Lucas. You know, I th- did Lucas came in, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Um you know, I was really disappointed up until they came in, and then obviously that that level between even our second string and their first string, uh, you know, especially for with our, our first string and their first string, is it just uh, you know there's a, a gulf between us. So the uh, I, I'm glad to see that they finally got you know they got Harry scoring again, um, made everybody feel a little less angry at him here in the, in my household at least. Yep, good stuff. Lucas, what do you think? Was this was this a bit of a failed audition for some of those younger players? Like Scott's mentioning, we you know we did have to bring on the big guns uh, to to see these guys off. What what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it was. Um, I'm very pleased with the result. Obviously, it's good to get the win. And I, again, we'll talk about Villa, but even the Harry Kane thing, it's like we keep thinking, man, these goals in these midweek games might be what he needs to get his feet going and score some Premier League goals and it just doesn't seem to happen. But the, um, yeah, the game on uh, Thursday was, 
I, I got to be honest. I think all of us were thinking up until Kane's uh, up until Kane scored the like uh, his first goal, our third goal. Up until that point, we were in like a fifty minute window of it was just shit to watch. We looked horrible. Um, I thought Delhi was underwhelming again. Um, a lot of guys like that you would really wish. Like I kind of wished we could give Scarlett a chance instead of pulling Scarlett out for Kane. I was liking the idea of putting Sun and Lucas in while Scarlett's in so that Scarlett can actually have a crack at it with, because it wasn't like Kane did anything like overly special other than make some nice runs. He, his finishing was nice, but it wasn't like they were worldies that Kane was scoring. It was just the fact that Lucas and Sun were making these runs. And so I, I would like us to see Scarlett have a chance to get the, a little bit of the service that Kane got. Um, but yeah, again, it was pretty underwhelming. Uh, I think the fact that we had two corners in the game and they had two corners speaks a little bit about our attacking prowess. Um, it just seems like we were, there was a little bit of a, a window. There's still there a problem like, up front. <laughs> yeah. There's just, there was a very big creativity issue and it didn't look like we had anything going for like a 30, 40 minute window. Yeah. And when you consider that to kind of, as a nod to the question that we got, you know, these, these guys were terrible. They are ranked 337th, I'm reliably informed, in the world, uh, in Europe, I should say, not the world, in, in Europe, through the UEFA coefficients. They're actually the worst team statistically, even in this terrible conference league, which is made up of terrible teams. So they're like the worst of the worst. I mean, these guys are, pro it's, it's hard to say with much certainty, but if you were to compare them to a, you know, a British team, you'd probably say they're not too far removed from Marine, if you remember when we played them in the FA Cup. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, they're, they're probably playing at a similar standard to them. Um, so, Tommy, what did you make of it with, with that in mind? I mean, like, we should be absolutely wiping the floor with these guys, shouldn't we? I mean, 2-1 yeah, well, up with half an hour to go is pretty... Uh, I mean, damning. I think we can all agree that the first 10 minutes was great. Um, like, I mean, Scarlett looked promising when he got fouled in the box. Delhi scored, of course, but... Um, with Lacelso scoring, I thought that was great. Just based on the fact that I don't know, I feel like the way the team is built right now, um, just because we didn't buy any players, we're in a state of transition, etc. We should be going for these counter type goals that Lacelso scored, um, because we can't rely on the midfield. I mean, it. So it, the other issue is. Like, we kind of looked lethargic in the second half of the first half. So, like, what, 25, 20, 25 minutes in? I didn't think we looked great. Um, and then halftime, Mira, they, they, they really, I mean, hats off to them. I, I think they went for it. And then, what is it, in my notes, 53rd minute, they scored the goal from that volley off of a corner. I I can't blame Gallini for not getting saving that because I think that was actually a great goal that was but that was an excellent shot yeah it's like one of those things that you kind of just wish you can do in the playground or even do in video games but like <laughs> I mean as Lucas said I don't Harry Kane was I would say he was just straight up clinical he didn't do anything magnificent I think that you know um who is it who's the uh son and who, who is it Lucas yeah, Lucas, they came on, they kind of set everything up for him, and he got it done. So, I mean, am I happy? Yeah, because 
He's not, he didn't really have, I mean, traditionally he doesn't have a great August. September was not great in general. So got to start somewhere. Um, my only beef is it's, and I can't blame Nuno for this aspect is, but the reason we had to bring on the heavy hitters 60 plus minutes is because we have a lack of depth. Could we have grinded out the 2-1 win and spared Lucas Mora, Son, and Harry Kane in theory? But he wanted, like, you know, it's clear that because of the subs that he made, he wanted to put away. So mm. it's, and that's kind of been my biggest question mark. This start of season's kind of been like that, it, continuing. And this is probably going to be the um, big thing for the rest of the season is how is he going to manage these players? And I'd like to think, like, I want to, like, are we, uh, I think it was Lucas or Scott, I forget already, but, like, you know, having Scarlet play up with Mora and Son, it, that can only build confidence. And if he can, he hasn't scored a senior goal yet, so if we can get that first goal for a 17-year-old, that'd be monumental for him. Um, so... I would like to see that happen eventually, but I mean, I'm not holding my breath. Just, I think, I mean, I think we all knew that this is, this season was going to be a state of transition. So it's kind of do whatever needs to be done. And I mean, unfortunately we kind of have to get the big, the heavy hitters, as I said, but I'm not complaining too much. Well, let's let's just talk about well a couple of players I want to talk about specifically, and you you guys all kind of touched on them. Firstly, um, Deli Ali. So he, I don't know if it was me over analyzing it, but he seemed in a bit of a strop, a bit of a bad mood when he got substituted. Um, what what did you? I know that Lucas mentioned he didn't think he had a good game. Scott, what what would you say about Deli? What did you think of his? Uh, performance he was under underwhelming uh, i think uh, i think somebody else already said that uh, but uh, he just is i keep waiting for uh, the old delhi you know the one we had four years ago or or you know at least an inkling of that delhi coming back and i'm just not seeing it i it's just he's i don't know if he's being played out of position or if which i don't think he is but uh, you know, maybe he's not the 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 wonderful signing we thought he was, which is really sad, and that maybe uh, it is time to let him go. Yeah, Lucas, what what do you think of that? Well, I think to touch on one thing Scott just said there, the the like playing out of position. I don't think we know what Delhi's position is anymore, and I think therein lies the problem where. You still see these flashes of brilliance from him. Like even in the game against Wolves uh, in the League Cup uh, the Wednesday before, he played that great ball to Kane um, that played him through for our second goal against Wolves. And it's like moments like that, you look at it and you say, wow, that distribution from Delhi was, that's old Delhi right there. But that those are such, those are becoming so much fewer and far between because it's, we just don't know what his position is anymore. And I don't think he understands his role. And yeah. um, it's like, some of the games that he's looked okay this year, he's been doing the most running. He's been doing well, like working, working his ass off defensively or whatever, but between game to game, it's like, he's almost being asked to play a different role every day. And we're seeing an underwhelming lack of production out of him when he's being asked to do all these different roles. Um, 
but yeah, I was really expecting him to kind of, he got the captain's armband against Murrah. I was expecting him to maybe step up and give a, give a great showing there and maybe try and prove why he deserves to be back in the first team. But as Joe mentioned with him coming off and he looked pretty cross when he was coming off, it's, it's kind of like one of those moments where you got to look at the common denominator. If it's, if it's the third game in a row where you're being taken off early and it's not because of fitness or something, there's, there's an issue there and it's probably you. Yeah. And I think you can even, you can even broaden it there and say, it's successive managers have had this issue with Delhi, right? It's, you know, Mourinho, to his credit, was probably the only manager in four years who's got anything out of Delhi, and that was only for about six weeks when he was he was actually good for Mourinho's first, you know, month or so in charge. Um Tommy, what, what do you what do you make of Delhi situation at the moment? I think I don't know how to explain it. Or there I think there's some psychological blocks with him or issues with him. Like I don't know what it is. Got the yips. I don't the yips, ever heard of the yeah. yips. Well, <laughs> you can definitely see that the technique is still there. I don't. So it might be just the confidence because, like you, you can still see him do those like cute techers or whatever that you guys want to call it. But it, it's like so that's still there. It's just the demeanor, the way he plays on the field. There's no command from him. It's not like when we had the desk lineup where he was like the attacking midfield with him, son and Erickson. So the other issue is that um, Nuno was what fourth choice, give fourth or fifth choice. So if we had Conte or Fonseca, like they might like, cause they might've been playing or they were more Conte. I think plays a four, three, three, but Fonseca, I think he played a four, five, one. So he would have been back in his more attacking midfield role. So as of right now, Nudo has been playing more like a central midfield role, which is what we signed him for originally. But Pochettino figured out, it's like, no, you got to play more advanced. So unfortunately, it's it makes him just, I can't think of the term, but it's like he's, he's disposable because of that, because he's not adaptable. It's not like, Eric Dyer, when he was center back, right back, and could play D mid, or Son, who could also play as a striker and a number ten and a winger. So, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's time to cut the cord. Just because, like, I think he needs a new place, <clears throat> a new change of scenery. I think he needs if he can play at like Everton. I think he'd do well because he would have a good sporting cast in terms of attacking or somebody. Like a team, like Aston Villa, I think, which we'll talk about, but like a, a solid mid-table team where he can be the focal point and have the freedom to express himself would probably be best. And and also because the way Nuno plays, like we played four three three. Um, traditionally he's he's done what three five two with the wing backs. So because of that, he doesn't fit in a similar system or a style of that. I think, I mean, I think in terms of production, he'd probably do better than Lucas Mora, but Lucas Mora, he's the one still giving his all and still, he's still creating things, even though there's no, not a lot of an end product for himself, of course, because that he gets the nod. So it's like, it's kind of like, what do you do with him? And it's like, and you can't, uh, Nuno is, 
like Noodle would be foolish to change a four change back to a, a true four two three one just to cater him who's still out of form. Um, he's not mentally in the right place. If he was like still, if he was like full on giving effort and being positive and everything, I'd be like, maybe do this in, a, in the next League Cup game against Burnley or a Europa League game. But <laughs> if he wants to, keep, but like Nuno, of course, he's got two years on his contract, so he's going to well, want to get results. Well, that, that may not be true. <laughs> I know. Well, I, mean, I just. I, I, I just read an article saying that they uh, that uh, there might be a, a, a let out clause an this escape. summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it's getting prices are higher or something. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that, Scott, because we we are gonna we're gonna talk about that specifically. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because that that piqued my attention too. But I, I mean, I think I agree with this kind of Delhi thing uh, that that everyone's kind of on the same wavelength with. I think if you did play a four. Two, three, one, like we did against Villa, you probably wouldn't pick Delhi in the 10 role. You'd probably have Lucas above him in that role. You'd probably have Ndombele above him. And you may even have Brian uh, Gil Hill above him in that role. So, however, you, however we're supposed to say it, above him. So, <laughs> I, I think it's a tricky one for Delhi. And I, I kind of agree with Luke, Lucas that it's to his detriment that he hasn't figured out his best position yet. You know, this kind of jack of all trades master of none in terms of like he can play here but he's not very good at that but he can do a job there it's 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 not really suiting well having three managers all you know in the course of uh, a couple years of your seat you know your life that 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 had probably happened to a a bunch of people just either you know getting left out in the cold or not you know i mean you know, look at Kyle Walker Peters or something, somebody like that. You know, we had he had he had bright prospects to him, but because he got under the wrong coach who didn't fancy him that well, he was you know shipped off and is now doing pretty well for himself. And just having that. Uh, what? Oh no, I was I was I was going to interrupt, but or I was going to say something, but I was about to interrupt you. So I'll let you finish your thought. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're fine. No, so the thing with. Delhi also is like Jose. He said he was going to play more of an attacking style. I I do believe him. I just think he figured out very quickly. He we, we don't have the personnel to do that. That's why he played more defensive. But Nuno, he was known for being more attacking with Wolves. Um, you know, Pochettino, we know what he's about. You know, he played the more exciting uh, brand of football, so to speak. So I think whether so like. Paratici and Levy, they probably were like, we we got to find this kind of manager that might not be the same as Poch or what Mourinho wanted to be the club to be, but similar qualities. So, you know, to make do with the current crop of players. And it's, I mean, it sounds terrible, terrible but like it's kind of Deli Ali's fault who failed to adjust. So, I mean, what can oh, you do? I agree with that. I, I yeah. don't think he's – I think he's dug a bit of his own grave, too. I mean, I, I think there ha- there was some truth to Mourinho's comments about him not not playing – you know, not practicing very hard and wanting to play and that sort of stuff. So, I, I think there's a lot, like, of, a lot of different things that are happening that, that accumulate to Spurs suffering right now. Yeah, and it's like – and it's not – it's like the exact opposite of – Dimitar Berbatov, for example, who was like lazy in practice, 
but mm-hmm. like when he was when he was playing, it's like he was lights out. So it's if Delhi Ali was lights out during game, I'd be like, okay, fine. Oh, well, yeah. he's, he's I think, out the but, but you know, Tommy, but he's not. But I think in some to kind of play devil's advocate, Delhi is working hard though. It's not that he's like Lucas mentioned it as well. He's covering these. He's running the the amount of running he does in the game is the most in our team. I mean, I'm not necessarily sticking up for him in that. I don't think he should be in our best eleven. But you can't say he's not doing the physical work. He's just not. He's the magic doesn't seem it's to be there with the yips. The yips. But I think I think that's the best way of putting it, Scott. The yips. But let's let's just because we talked a lot about Delhi there. The other player I was going to mention before we go to MVP LVP was um, was young Scarlet Dane Scarlet. Um, I'll quickly pose a question and then, but I'll just an observation first. So I think this is weird that we're playing a seventeen-year-old as our mate, and I'm sure he's very good and he's going to be great in the future and all that don't i'm not questioning that but having a 17 year old lead the line i mean just in terms of like the physical demands of leading the line playing as the out out and out striker it's so difficult for a kid to do that right you think of for example someone like mason greenwood at man united who probably will be a striker eventually but he's kind of played out on the wing where you can get a bit more space and it's not as physical I feel like with Scarlett, we're asking too much of him, just expecting him at 17 to be our backup striker. Bearing in mind we had a Vinicius who was like an international football, you know, a fully grown man doing that role. Um, what I'm kind of my question I'm going to ask as well is do you think we're expecting too much of him and do you think it would be better just to loan him out and to have a, a more experienced player do that role? And I'll go to you, Tommy, for, for that question. Well, I'll answer your question first. I don't think he's only 17, so I don't think you can actually loan out a player until you're 18, until the player's 18. Am I wrong? Well, if that, at least that's what I thought the reason was. But regardless, um, I actually like the idea of Scarlett playing as a winger because he gets freedom of movement. He can be a little creative. Let's see what he has to offer. But the other thing is, unfortunately, just because of the club's finances and cash flow, we like he's thrown into the deep end, so to speak, by necessity. Um, because Kane's gonna log on a lot of minutes, and everybody's like, "Yeah, Son's a striker." I'm like, not. I mean, he's like the Messi or Ronaldo mold of a striker. Like he's more like an attacking midfielder, number ten that just happens to score a shitload of goals. So, I think it's a little unfair that we have to throw. It, him into the deep end like this um and the other issue is eastern european teams for the most part are not known for playing beautiful soccer um and also how you said they're like 300 some place in europe the lower the talent or the sh- or lower the t- talent of the team is more inclined more inclined you'll be playing more of, of a physical brand so i i hope it's not going to be detrimental to him where he doesn't learn from it. I I do hope that he does well and I wish him well, of course. It's just I think he's adjusting well based on the circumstances. It just and it's not I'm not frustrated with him, but like on uh, Thursday, it the fact that he was 
like, yeah, he got a penalty and, you know, he was doing all right, but also he didn't get a lot of service. So that's, it didn't do him any favors either. So I, I, and how we said, or how you were saying, we, we were saying before, it's like, if we had Son and Mora and got him service, we can actually see what he has to offer. Yeah, maybe we need to blend these lineups a bit to to mix them rather than just putting the big hitters all at once and the kids all at once. Lucas, what you've got a point to make? What what do you think? Uh, yeah, to answer your question, I, and I think Tommy touched on something that's important too. Um, yeah, I actually would love to see a kid like him getting loaned out, um, get a chance to be playing regularly. Um, I, I think we've seen how important that was as one of Pochettino's big mistakes was. Pochettino not loaning our young players out and that's where we saw a lot of them kind of rot away a big portion of their career but um, I think it is a necessity thing is the reason why he is out there I think he's guys like him are out there to just eat up minutes that's all it is if every time that Kane has to be playing one of these like Kane or Son or Hoiber like anytime those guys have to be out there in these European conference games it's actually, it's not in our best interest. It's like we have so many games that we already don't have a deep squad. We have so many games coming up. We have the whole Premier League season. We have, we're into the round of 16 in the League Cup. We'll have the FA Cup. We expect, even if we don't, even if we don't even win our group, we're probably going to at least get out of this group. Um, so we'll be in the second, we'll be in the back half after the winter break. Like we'll be back in this, like the knockout stages of this competition. So we got a lot of games and barring us randomly buying a bunch of new players in January, which I don't expect us to do. We're going to have to do it with these guys that we have and we can't burn them out. So I think that's why we see Scarlett starting these games is it's just a chance. If he goes out there, as long as we don't go out there and get absolutely battered by this team or something, then it's fine. He can just eat up 60 minutes that Harry didn't have to be out there for. And I think that's why, um, Nuno is playing it that way, and I, I can't say I blame him. I mean, it's that's we the way, that's the way you should play it. Yeah, we just I mean that have, it is the way. Yeah, we don't have a Vinicius who can be our guy. It, it's got to be him. So um, I would rather. How see much were they asking to buy him? <laughs> I think it was like a hundred. Why did we not buy him? Like really. He's- his buyout clause was crazy. It was something like yeah. it, was, it was over fifty million, I think. I can't exactly. If that was for the loan agreement, we would have had to pay like thirty-five or forty. Uh, it was. It was. I mean, it was more than he should have cost. I mean, Vinicius did a decent job, but it, we shouldn't have bought him at that price. But we should have bought someone. We should have got maybe Danny wow. Ings went for twenty-five million. Yeah. You're telling me yeah. we couldn't have had it, done it? You could have also rotated in the first team as well. So would have given us a lot, a lot more options. Um, all right, good stuff, guys. Uh, let's let's go to uh, we'll do a lightning MVP LVP. Let's do MVP to begin with. Um, let's start with Scott. Who do you reckon MVP? Uh, I have to I have to say that uh, it had to be Harry Kane, um, mm-hmm. just because of the fact that he came in and and well, yeah, just because of the simple fact that it was looking a little dicey. He he came in and was very clinical and very you know he did what he was you know supposed to do. So um, I'll give it to him. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Tommy, what do you reckon? I would gladly give it to Harry Kane because, I mean, what, three goals in 30 minutes? But uh, I'm actually going to give it to LaSalle. So I thought he did pretty well. And then once all the heavy hitter subs came on, he played more advanced and he was actually providing assists. So 
I think he needs to get a run out eventually, but I, but and but what we've seen right now is promising for the future at least. So I'll go with him. Okay, good stuff, Lucas. What do you got? Yeah, Kane, lay up for me. Anytime you come on in the second half and you walk out with a hat trick, you're the MVP for me. <laughs> oh, you've you've pretty much hit the nail on the head, Anna. Uh, my thoughts exactly. I've got to say, Kane, you can't really say. Can't really argue what he did, albeit against poor opposition. Um, let's start LVP. I, I will go reverse order. I'll go this time because I like to slag players off instead of praising. <laughs> <laughs> no, only joking. Well, this guy gives you a lot to, a lot of ammunition for slagging players off. I've got to say LVP again. I feel like every time I'm on the podcast, I say this is Doherty. This guy is killing me. Like so. It's just like kind of like you guys just said about Kane, right? You're showing your your quality. Like he stands out a mile, doesn't he? He's on for 20 minutes, scores a hat trick, right? He, that's what any international Premier League proven footballer should do against a team that's 337th in Europe from Slovenia. You know, the, the fact that Doherty like looked at that level, he looked like he, he looked like one of their players. He didn't have the confidence to go past them. And he's like, this is a guy who's played in the Premier League for what, four years? I think this is maybe his fifth season. Um, and it's not so much that he made any terrible errors per se. It's just the fact that he has so, he's meant to be an attacking fullback and he can't even go past these, you know, these like amateur players basically from uh, Slovenia. So I, I just thought Doherty, although he didn't make any glaring errors, he was just such a, he's just so general poor play. Um, so he's my LVP this week. Um, let's start with Lucas and then go back around to Tommy and Scott. Go Lucas. Yeah, I'll just quick, I'll reiterate what you just said. Doherty was for me as well. Um, you said didn't have the confidence to go past their defenders. He didn't have the confidence to try. That's the part that drives me. It's not like he was trying to take them on and couldn't get past them. And I, I mean, to have a fullback that is afraid to take on any player that plays for a team of that caliber, it's like, it, it just, it's, it's every week with him. And it just seems to be more of the same. And like I said, unfortunately, I think it's just a matter of eating up minutes. If he's out there, that means Regulon can have a break. So, I mean, yeah, he was just brutal again, dirty, useless. Yeah. Tommy, what do you got? I would gladly agree with Doherty as well. Um, I think it's kind of psychological, but I'm going to give it to Zoe Ali. I, yeah, he scored a goal, but I didn't even think that penalty kick was great. Um, but I, he just looked very lackluster, and I think he probably knew when he got subbed off. It's like, yeah, I was terrible, but it's it's kind of like you have to face the music, but it's just – like what we outlined before, he just didn't look good. So, yeah. Sorry, but got to be truthful. Mm-hmm. Scott, what did you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Doherty at Doherty as well, or however you say it. Um, I, I, and I, I'm just going to simply – you guys have summed it up perfectly, but uh, I am going to say that I am rather disappointed that he hasn't been – better this season because of the fact that he had spent so much time with Nuno mm. that I thought, well, okay, fine. He'll, you know, he'll, he knows him. He'll, he'll knows how to get the best out of him and it just doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, I agree with you a hundred percent. 
Okay, so on a more positive note, we got a win in the Premier League. And that was Yay! On. Yay, indeed. Uh, Sunday, October 3rd, we beat Aston Villa 2-1. Um, goals from... Well, can you believe that the Hoybier scored the first? The second is controversially been called an own goal. How is it? Lucas scored that goal. I watched it on replay about five times yesterday and I'm convinced that Lucas scored that goal. But anyway, 1-2-1. One, one. If anything, it's a, it's a 50-50. Yeah, you've got to give the defense. It's not the defender wants the on goal, is it? Well, right. no one's happy exactly. with that. Just let him have it. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, right. So, yeah, this was, I mean, I think this was a huge win for Nuno. We'll, we'll talk a lot more about that in, in due course, but just specifically on this game, got a 2 1 win. Um, we did change the formation slightly. It was a bit of a move away from that 4 3 3 to a more of a 3, sorry, a 4 2 3 1. Um, and I thought this was a much better performance. But what did you guys think? Let's start with Lucas. Yeah, I think um, it was good to see. We looked up for it right away, and that was good for me. Um, I know we had, uh, coming off the back of, like, our last three games, given up three goals, no points from nine. It looked like we were at least hungry, and that was a good place to start. Um, it wasn't as if that Hoybier goal was against the run of play or anything like that. It looked like we were up for it and we were creating some chances. It was really good to see guys like Son and Lucas carry over their their performances from midweek. They just seemed to be playing the exact same way, making those runs and carrying the ball forward. And you get when you get guys like of that caliber making those runs forward, you leave a guy like Hoybier standing in the middle. And it was very nice to see. Um, I like the way we reacted from the goal too when we gave up that goal. Um, I like that we didn't panic or end up having to try and get frantic in the 90th minute like we see us sometimes do where we wait too long. It's like we gave up that goal and within minutes we were right back down their throats and it was really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Scott, what did you make of this one? I was very I, – I was – Extremely pleased because I went into it feeling very uh, trepidatious about the, the the game and and just the way everything was going as a whole. Uh, I I personally thought that if if we had lost that game against against Villa, that Nuno would get sacked. I mean, I I, I thought it was that that dire of a of a necess- necessity to 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 get something positive going that. Um, I'm glad that it happened. Um, I was, I'm, I think the sort of thing that stands out the most to me is, was the play of, uh, Emerson Royal. Um, I, I look, I like what I see. He's, he's, he's doing, been getting better and better each week. Uh, and he, uh, it seems like he, he might be that finally the goods, yeah, Scott, I'm I'm with you. I, I was really impressed with Emerson. I hadn't really made my mind up about him based on the previous games that he played. Had been kind of hit and miss, but I think he 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 really well. He'd been thrown out. I mean, he'd been yeah thrown out without a preseason or anything. So uh, exactly, uh, yeah, that's right. He'd been thrown in the deep end, hadn't he? But yep, he, yeah, he had a, a really good, strong game as well. Uh, Tommy, what what do you think about this one? Yeah, I, and I'm going to echo what Scott said about Emerson. I thought he was great. Um, I think I think he has to be our starting right back. Um, I lo- I really liked Tanganga. 
I he's not as fast as Royal. He's got the long stride and he can track back and cross and do all that and defend. So I'm like my so I feel bad for Tanganga, but sorry, what's that? Oh, I, I was thinking, I was saying that the, I think Tanganga Tanganga can uh, fill in at certain certain roles. Like you know, if, if we're up against a team that needs more sort of a yeah. brute well, force that type of thing. Have, yeah, or if if it's not a speedy winger, right? I think he can definitely fill that gap. Um, but overall, I feel like the work ethic has changed since since uh like the month from hell of September. Like I I had no issues with any player, you know, dogging on the field. Like I think they did great with that. So and for those who don't know me, like I am a big effort guy. I'm like you could be very mediocre, but if you put all your your effort in, I'm like, that's all I ask. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, we never, and how, I forget who it was, Lucas or Scott, like when Aston Villa scored, we didn't even, we didn't back down. We still put the effort in. Um, I do believe that this game could have easily been 4-1 if we were more clinical. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, but it would have been nice to see, but I'll gladly take a 2-1 win. Um, but like also every, I'll just kind of do a preview, but like, not for MVP, but for LVP. Like, I don't think anybody actually deserved it. I think this was a very solid team win. Um, yeah, some people made mistakes. Like, Dyer kind of didn't help with that goal. And then Romero, he started that tackle that led to the advantage. But I can't complain too much. Um, like, even the subs, whether it be Brian Heal, LaCelso. I, like, LaCelso, I, I was happy with or relatively pleased with in the game because – I was like, okay, at least he'll provide some central midfield presence and he can help lock down the game kind of like, not like, not like Dembele mode, but <clears throat> generally speaking, like Dembele, like he can at least help control the midfield. So I'm, the other, like, I don't think we won in style, but I was telling Rick, tall Rick, because uh, he was at the bar yesterday. I'm like, I'm okay with this win being an ugly win, so to speak. Because usually Spurs, whenever we win, we blow teams out or we do it in style. So if we, like, we have, the team has not been used to winning ugly like this, grinding out a 2-1 win. So it is what it is. And like I said before, I know this team's in a state of transition. So like, if we can have that mental toughness by doing this, so be it. Well, I mean... You say ugly win. I actually thought we had 17 shots yesterday. You know, most games this season, we've been lucky to get two or three shots on goal. I think yes, um, this game, I, I thought we played really well. And you guys have kind of hit on a few of the of the key things there. Um, Lucas, what, what do you think of it? Well, yeah, I thought again. I thought we played really well. If you if you look even before they got their goal, it was we were knocking on the door with like, a couple of like I think Kane had a couple. We were we were right there where we almost had two or three before they were able to get. Which unfortunately you start to get that pit in your stomach where you know it's like if we don't nail one of these to go up by two, they're for sure going to find one, and they did. But um, yeah, we definitely we were all over them even in that second half, which is what I think is something that is nice to see from us. The way we played under Jose, I don't 
ever like to bash Jose for the way he had us playing last year because of Jose ball or this and that, because again, I think he recognized how shit our defense was and that we didn't have a midfield, but it's nice to see us not get that lead and then just be comfortable with that and just park the bus and say, hope that's it. It's nice to see us. That's something we've seen under Nuno thus far this year is even when we get that goal, we still look like we're up even against city. We got that goal and went up one nil and we didn't just call off the dogs. We still had a couple opportunities that we were trying to get forward and trying to get that second goal. Um, So it's good to see that at least if we're going to take little small victories in this time of transition, that's one of the things that I definitely like to see is that even when we score, we still look up for it and we still look hungry to go get the next one. And there's Tommy said he didn't have an LVP. I definitely did. Um, We'll get to that. But um, there was, it it looked like it's for me. And like I said, time of transition here, it's not going to be pretty. I think the fact that we got those nine games or the nine points in the first three games, it kind of lulled us into a little bit of false oh. sense of hope. Yeah. Where we kind of thought, Hey, maybe we can make a run this year. or Maybe we'll be finishing higher than we thought, but the past few weeks has really brought us back to reality and uh, shown us where we are. So it, it is like one of these things where we're going to have to be watching these games and trying to take little positives. Um, so it's good. Like guys like Hill, I'd like to see him continue to play. It's good to see LaCelso playing well. Um, like you said, Royal, uh, it's great to see him playing well. Um, I'd like to see Regulon start being a little bit more effective. But um, guys like Dyer, when guys like Dyer make mistakes, that's going to happen. That's who he is. Um, but I don't think guys like Dyer are part of the long-term plan for us. Right now, he's a bit of just a placeholder. So for me, it's important to see the guys that we think are going to be part of our future. It's good to see them taking progressive steps. If guys like Dyer or Sanchez fuck up, that's that's going to be something that happens. Even though Sanchez didn't play yesterday, but it's an example. <laughs> if if guys like I mean, if guys like that are fucking up that we don't really think are going to be part of our future, that's okay with me. It's for me. I'm really interested to see guys that we think we're going to be building around. I want to see those guys taking the proper steps forward in these games. I mean, we saw it yesterday. Well, I I think as well as it been probably our most complete performance. Honestly, I, I, I was thinking this, like probably since it's a year today, since we beat Man United 6-1 at Old Trafford, that was a year ago today um, at the time of recording. And I actually think this was arguably our best. When I say like, I mean, overall for 90 minutes, because what we've done in other games is we've played well for 20 minutes. Like, I think City was the closest. I thought we played well pretty much the whole game against City, but we did start that game slowly and they could have been a couple of goals up. But the main thing for me with this was the lineup and the formation tweak. I think if you look, maybe Nuno's learned some lessons because that Palace game was horrific when he played like three holding midfielders. And then he kind of went too far the other way a little bit, maybe against Chelsea when he was going. It, it worked well till half time, and they just battered the second half. And against Arsenal, God knows what he was trying in that game tactically because we were a total <laughs> like it was. I mean, it was it was just a, a joke and a disgrace of a performance. But this, when I saw that lineup, I did think, look, this that looks to be our best eleven. And I was going to kind of put that to you guys, like if we had a cup final tomorrow. Would that be the team that you'd pick, the team that we saw uh, in City? Lucas, you've got your hand up first. What What do you think? Well, I, I think the the thing that's really interesting is we saw, we we all think we played 
well in those first three games where we were able to protect our defense, but we did that by having Skip and Hoybier in front of our back line. And then we saw, okay, we, we looked very solid at the back, but we weren't able to get anything created up, up forward. So you have to kind of transition and say, okay, do we, and like, it looks like the next three games, it looked like we didn't play that same way. And we had, we took away a little bit of the protection and we got slated at the back. So we have to find some way where we can go forward and try and create and have the ball in the midfield and move the ball forward without just leaving our shit defense exposed. And I think with the introduction of Romero, we've seen that a little bit where with Romero, it's a little bit, it seems like we have a little bit more freedom where we don't have to just be trying to protect the back line. And that allows us to actually try and possess the ball in the midfield a little bit. We still didn't see that too well yesterday, um, which I think is a lack of personnel, not any one in particular yesterday. But um, I think I would say in a, in a cup final, it kind of depends on who we play. Like if we're playing city, I would rather us kind of play. We did the first way. I don't want to get into a track meet with city. Um, but I think with, I would like to see a little bit more of Joe Roden playing with uh, Romero. I think Roden, every time, every time Roden's been out there for us under Nuno, he's looked exceptional. Um, and I would like to see him actually get to grow and maybe he and Romero are the partnership that we need, but I just, I don't think we can continue to throw out the same back line and expect anything different results. But I did, that is something I liked yesterday was, now that we have the introduction of Romero, I think it offers us a little bit more freedom going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Who would have thought that playing our best defender would have made our defence better? If he'd only known that against Arsenal, eh? <laughs> Rocket science here. Rocket science. Uh, Tommy, what about you? What If you were to change that 11, Lucas sort of suggested a couple of potential tweaks depending on the opposition. But what, what about yourself? What would I would you... say, well, yesterday I would say that's close to optimal lineup. I Joe Roden, I think, should be paired with Romero, or I'd like to see that. Um, definitely not Dyer and Sanchez, because I talked about this with Rick, uh, Tall Rick yesterday. The, the issue with Dyer and Sanchez is, like, we need command in that back line. And, you know, we all talk about my love for Michael Dawson, but he had command. He, he was the one that was directing. So that's why he worked well with Levy King. That's why he worked well with Tongan for that one season. Um, if not, you need like that great partnership. So like, for example, with Bertongan and Toby Alderweireld, they were pretty much in sync and they were telepathic more yeah, not literally, but you know, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Like they knew where somebody where they were going to go. And the other person was like, okay, I'm going to cover this spot to make sure all their bases were covered. Um, I think Romero actually has more command of the game. He's very aggressive as well. So whoever else is paired with him can be the more conservative player and just wait for things to develop and pick up the pieces. So, um, and unfortunately, like, Regulon has been not I – mean, he's been less than stellar, but I'd still say he's better than Ben Davis. Um, yeah. And in terms of, you know, with the rest of the lineup, you know, whether it be Hoiberg, Skip, you know, that's what it is. I would like to see – I think the other – Good thing about the Hoyberg and Skip partnership, though, is Skip is more of the true defensive midfielder, and you and you notice whether it be yesterday's game or before, Hoyberg can actually act more as a central midfielder. Like you know, he can pick out the passes, 
be the box to box like you know Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, uh, who was it, Michael Essien type players. So, it, which gives him more freedom as well. Um, and in terms of like you know the front three, you know Son, Mora, you know whether it be high effort, they can run all day. The other thing, and Dombley, I think he's probably part of the optimal lineup just by default. He's shown pieces of brilliance. It's just he hasn't strung it together, A, for a full game and for a stretch of games. I do think he's better playing a more advanced role. But, like, everybody would probably say is you want, we want to see more consistency. And the fact that we paid $65 million for him is like, we're not going to bench him. We're, we're still going to see him. Um, and, you know, Harry Kane, that's kind of the default option, even though he hasn't been delivered in Premier League games. But he's still a threat, and you know he can score because he has been doing that in Europa League games. So, yeah, I would say if we did yesterday or if we had the same lineup as yesterday or put Roden in, A, I'm not going to complain too much just because of the lack of depth, but also like if we can kind of keep that core – and hold on to that for dear life for the remainder of the season. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. What about you, Scott? Would you would you swap anyone out? What about um, kind of thinking maybe Lacelso? Would you have Would you have him in your eleven? What would you do? Well, I uh, see. I really, I honestly believe that that and and Dumbele and Lacelso are quality players i think they 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 have that capacity and, and dumbelli especially has that just that thing about him that makes you know makes what he does with the ball in a, a lot of times amazing you know and and he's 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 just so silky i guess if that makes sense most of the time um and and we saw, you know, uh, during the summer with Lacelso and Argentina, he can be one hell of a player too. It's just a matter of getting them, I guess, getting them motivated in the right way, or I don't know, uh, something. Maybe with the uh, the addition of of more uh, South Americans uh, that uh, like Romero and 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 uh, and Golini, Golini, the the keeper. Well, he's actually got, Italian. Um, oh, he's Italian. Oh, we've got okay. Davinson Sanchez and we've got Emerson. So there's four South Americans, uh, if you. And Lucas. And Lucas, of course. Yeah, I forget Lucas because he's never part of the international uh, on the international break, is he? Go on, Lucas. Speaking. Is, of, speak I was going to say, which is that's fine. That, that's fine by me, by the way. I love the fact that he never has to go back and he never has to worry about the nonsense that comes with international breaks, like. Lucas hey. seems happy out every time we have an international. Break, he's just at the training yeah. ground, like coys, 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 coys. I love that. He's my favorite player to watch during the international breaks. But um, yeah, for me, I, I definitely would like to see Lasalso playing over in Dombele. Um, in Dombele mm-hmm. yesterday was I'm giving a spoiler here to my LVP. Um, I just he didn't even have a position yesterday. He was on the right wing. He was on the left wing. He was just doing nothing in the middle. Uh, I'm like he had one moment where we had the throw in and he took that awesome turn and drove it into their box and had the shot that he put right at the keeper. Other than that moment, he did nothing for me that I thought was, wow, this guy needs to be part of my starting 11. And that moment was a bit like Scott had mentioned, that was just pure talent. That was like 
incredible to watch. But if you're doing that once over a 90 minute period, that's not good enough to be in my starting 11. If I want to, if I want this team to go on and, and achieve the things that, because that moment of pure brilliance, it's like guys like Lamella had it too. And we'll yeah. all admit here, like Lamella just was not good enough, could never put it together. But it's like a guy like Lamella does a Rabona and scores against Arsenal and then picks up two yellow cards in the next 50 minutes and then fucks us over. It's like, right. you can't just have moments. I, I would, I would wager to, I would wager that probably everyone here can't think of a game where Ndombele put together a full 90 minute awesome performance. No, I don't think he's ever, he's he's never, I don't think so at all. Exactly. So it's like, that's over, that's our record signing and it's been over. This is his third year. Like that's just not good enough. I mean, we, how old is he? uh, Jeez. 24, 24 ish. All right. So he's, he's old enough to, not. Yeah, this isn't – we're not in potential mode anymore. We're not like – like that's always been my biggest pet peeve with Harry Winks is we gave Winks years and years. Of, oh, well, he's got potential. It's like, well, at some point you either have to show it or we got to start giving other guys a chance. And I think with LaCelso, the only reason is that he just can never stay fit. LaCelso's always been yeah, a fitness thing, true. but it's never an attitude. It's never a commitment no. issue. It's never a effort issue. It's just – That's true. If, if LaCelso could get like a stretch of 10 healthy Premier League starts in a row – I'm sure we could see some really great things out of him. Whereas yeah. I can't, I can't say with any confidence that if uh, if if Ndombele had ten healthy Premier League starts in a row, I couldn't say with any confidence that he would look any different than he did yesterday. I think it's really difficult with Ndombele because you're right. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Lucas. He's never done it in a full game, and even if you think of his moments, they've kind of come against like weaker teams. You know, he got that great goal at Sheffield United couple against Wickham in the cup when we were, you know, he's not really done it in a big game, like against a Chelsea or an Arsenal, right? He's, his moments have come in quite low occasion, like low level occasions. But I think the dilemma really is he's on 200 grand a week. No one can afford to take him. And what do we do? Because we, he's too good to not play like we couldn't just kind of keep him as a backup a total bench player for 200k a week you know you've got to make the most out of that um asset and yeah it's it's a difficult balancing act I think we were probably hoping that someone would come in for him in the summer but clubs just don't have that cash at the moment to to be able to afford uh players like that you know so it's a bit of a tough one anyway we're going to roll in here to MVP LVP um let's start with Tommy who was your MVP um oh sorry look at my notes yeah i'm giving son my man of the match or mvp uh and i actually looked through the bbc website and it said uh son has been involved in 11 goals in his last last 12 premier league games at home so that's pretty i mean we expect a lot of him and he delivers so i'm thankful for that of course but i you know you there's times where he's hot and cold. Yes, yesterday I felt he was pretty hot, where he was just doing everything that was needed. He was creating. He was making runs. Like he had a, I think he nutmeg like three players in the span of those ninety minutes. You know, so I have, you know, he's by far the MVP. But as Scott and I kind of piggybacked off of that. Emerson Royal, he's def well. He's not my MVP, but he's a very honorable mention. I thought he played very well yesterday, too. Um, you know, like you said, I expect better for him to maintain that level of consistency for hopefully years to come. 
Good stuff, Tommy. All right, um, Scott, what do you reckon? Uh, I'm going with Lucas, as a matter of fact. Not Lucas, our Lucas, but Lucas Mora. Um, he, oh, I, can, uh, I can get a shout, I think. I thought I was pretty well done. I was electric at the pub yesterday. So. All right, well, there you go. I, didn't, I wasn't there to witness it, but, you know. Um, I think I think he was just all over the pitch. Um, he was just giving 110 percent and you know doing as much as he could for for everybody. And he wasn't he was doing the the stuff that uh, isn't glamorous. You know he wasn't the, the you know he did get he well he should have gotten a goal, but um, he was doing all the dirty work to get people in position so that you know Son and, and and uh, everybody could could perform and and get, and get ch- chances. I, I I just appreciated his work ethic. Yeah, agreed. Lucas, what do you reckon? Yeah, mine was actually split right down the middle between Sun and Lucas. I thought you could give it to either one of them. I thought what they both did yesterday was massively important for how we were able to create the chances that we were. Again, just. I constantly am a broken record on this podcast when I'm talking about driving the ball forward into space and trying to attack the end line. And you see what happens when you have someone like Sun, instead of getting the ball, setting up, maybe recycling it back around the box and letting them get a chance to get some defenders back. You see Sun run to the end line, beat his man, whip it over the middle, and we get a tap in or an own goal, whatever you want to say. I think it was a goal, but um, yeah, it's guys like Sun and Lucas, their ability to drive the ball like that is exactly what we need more of. And so, yeah, I give, I'll give mine to Lucas just because he's been the most consistent guy doing it in the past few games for me. Yeah, some good cases there. I'm, I'm going to go with Sun. Um, I absolutely, I, I've got to say, Sun's our best player, right? I mean, I don't even hesitate now in thinking that Sun is is our best player, not just because we've all got the hump with Harry Kane because of what went on this summer, but just, he's just so, he's just so joyful playing for us. You know, you saw that against Arsenal when he scored that goal, he was the one who was trying to G the whole team up and they all looked like a bunch of bloody zombies, you know, like something off a you know zombie movie when he walking, trudging back, whereas son was, you know, trying to rally the team. And even yesterday he's got that assist and he's gone into the crowd. He just really epitomizes what you want to see from a Tottenham player. I absolutely love Son. Love that he plays for us. He's a brilliant player, and I think he was superb yesterday. He gave their. I mean, Villa aren't a bad team. They, you know, they went to Man United and beat them only only a week before. They've had some solid results this season. They got a good defense, and Son was running rings around them, making them look terrible when they're not a terrible team. They're a, they're a solid team. So Son is my MVP as well. Let's do LVP. Um, let's go Scott. Who who do you reckon LVP, if anyone? Um, I it, it's really hard to come up with an LVP for this game. Um, I think I think everybody did a, a, a you know even even the people that weren't um, you know 100 percent were still in it and 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 have you know had a lot a lot to do with the game. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take myself out of the running for the, you know, or take myself out of the, the equation. I, I don't think there was an LVP. Um, I, I think, I think they all just performed the way they should in in a position that they needed to win. Yeah. Scott, I a hundred percent agree. I don't have anyone for this either. Tommy, I think you were suggesting you didn't have anyone. Is that true as well? Correct. 
Yeah, Lucas. What about? I know you mentioned Ndombele. I don't know. Is he? Does he make the the cut, so to speak? What, well, yeah. You? Well, so since you guys all concede your time, I'll just take up the time that you guys talked, and I'll just get an <laughs> extra couple minutes of Ndombele ranting in here. Uh, yeah, he's my uh, LVP. Um, I just thought, again, can't go ninety minutes. I thought he was all over the place, um, and actually thought we looked a lot better in those last fifteen minutes when Lacelso came on for him. I thought it. I, th- I really liked the. The way we looked afterwards, um, but yeah, for me, I got to give it to Ndombele. Uh Well, you're you're a tough man to please, Lucas. We won the game. Come, <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough, mate. Right, all right. So let's go into half time. Then we got our good friend here, Tommy, with his section, Tommy's week in Spurs history. Fire away, Thanks, Tom. Sh- Thank you, Joe. Um, as Joe noted, my name is Tommy, and this is your week in Spurs history. Um, October 1st, 2007, Spurs tied Aston Villa 4-4 in an eight-goal thriller. Uh, this match was notable as Spurs celebrated their 120th and or 125th anniversary this match. So for those who don't remember, uh, they wore a special kit of half sky blue, half lily white, and it was the only time they wore it. Um, goals in this match for Spurs were scored by Divintar Berbatov. Pascal Chimbanda, Robbie Keane, and Eunice Kabul. Um, October 2nd of 2011, Spurs defeated our hated rivals Arsenal um, in a classic North London derby. Uh, we won 2-1 with goals by Raphael Vanderbart and a long-range strike by Kyle Walker for the winning goal. Take a look at it. It was, a, it was one of those long-range screamers that kind of slightly curled, and it just, it was beautiful. Um, next up, yeah, October 4th of 1908 was actually uneventful game, but we actually tied Derby County 0-0. Um, this match occurred during Spurs' first season in the second division of the f- Football League. Um, the only thing notable is that this was actually the first occasion that Spurs dropped points at White Hart Lane. Lastly, October 4th of 2012, Spurs tied Panathinaikos 1-1 in their second match in the Europa League. And the lone goal was scored by my all-time favorite, Michael Dawson. I'm Tommy, and this is your week in Spurs history. Awesome. Thank you, Tommy. There are some memorable ones there. I remember that 4-4 against Villa was a was a great game, wasn't it? I remember um, they all ran over to Martin Yol, didn't they, at the end when Kabul got the last-minute equaliser. That was, uh, that was a yes, lot. Yes, of- I actually do. Re- yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, because we were, we were 4-1 down. Fun. That game was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was. We we were four one down. I think we scored first, and Villa just kept scoring on set pieces. And I remember their fans were taking the piss out of us, singing "Happy Birthday" to us. <laughs> they were four one up against us at half time, but we uh, we brought it back. It was a, it was a good one. And I think the Kyle Walker goal. You've got to say Shachesney uh, for Arsenal was a, it had a shocker for that. It went under his body, didn't it? As much as it was a long range goal, it like bounced. Yeah, I th- sounds about right. Yeah, and he's because he's a crap goalkeeper. You've got. To- <laughs> That was the one. Like uh, Walker scored that one from like thirty yards out, didn't he? Like, yeah, it was outside the box. Like he literally yeah. just ran off the one Van, and just Van shot scored it. The first one, right? Yeah, and uh, Aaron Ramsey scored the first scored. one, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it was a good one. Um, okay, good stuff. So we've got everyone's favorite occasion, which is an international break coming up. Um, so there won't be a podcast next week for that very reason. Um, some good news, though. 
um, is that this ridiculous situation that we had last time with the quarantining of the South American players, if you recall, they had to go to Croatia for 10 days and have this elaborate scheme where they quarantined and then they missed the Crystal Palace game, which we ended up losing and it was a whole mess. And we actually didn't really integrate still Romero into the team until this weekend, really, um, against Villa. So it's had a whole knock-on effect that was real mess last time. Thankfully, this isn't going to be the case this time. Um, there's been some apparent rule change whereby there's an exception made for high-level sports people who they don't... There is. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there is now, and I don't exactly know all the ins and outs, but basically what can happen is they can isolate at the Spurs Lodge, um, a bit like Harry Kane did when he was away on his vacation, then he went back to the Lodge, which is a designated place where you can quarantine and also train. So I, it's unclear if they're going to miss the Newcastle game. I don't know if that's the case. That's our first uh, game back. They may miss that, they may not, but there's four players, so there's Lacelso. Uh, Romero, and then you've got Davidson Sanchez with Colombia, and Emerson is in the Brazil squad. So hopefully they can all play against Newcastle and it won't be a thing this time. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Anyone got any other comments on the international break? Anything else interesting catch anyone's eye? I'm just... <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually happy for the international break. Yeah, we beat Astonville yesterday, but... I kind of welcome it now just because Spurs can't really disappoint me. <laughs> and, um, and as a Sweden fan, we're playing Kosovo on Saturday. We lost to Greece the previous match. We're playing them again like that Tuesday. So I'm like, hopefully they can eke out two wins and not like, it'll be disappointing another way if it happens. But I'm like, I'm, I'm welcoming it right now. And then I can at least. What, Tom is trying to turn this into a Sweden podcast again. This isn't yeah. a podcast. Well, this is this is what you get. But you know, I got I got what Formula One on Sunday. I got a great day of. I could start college. talking about the great week in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati. Well, I was, that's what I was getting to. College football on Friday or Saturday. Got the Red River Shootout. We got some other great games. So. Well, before Tommy, before you yeah. turn, you hijack this segment completely. I know. <laughs> I think Lucas has a point that's slightly more on track with the conversation. Go on, go on Lucas. Probably. Yeah. So what I was going to talk about is like the upcoming Dolphins game this weekend. No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was I was going to say the um, obviously you guys know I hate the international break more than anything on the planet, but um. The one nice part is I don't think that this one could be any possibly – it could not be worse than the last one. So that's uh, that's at least given me a little bit of a little bit of hope that at least we won't have guys getting arrested on the pitch in Brazil or we'll have just the nonsense that came with that last one. I think everybody got a knock of some kind. And um, it, it is just a little bit disappointing because it just felt like yesterday was – we got the nice win on – the midweek uh, we got yesterday, I think we said was like one of the best games we've seen us. And so I was really hoping like this would be such a great time for us to try and build some momentum. And it's like, I swear to God, the football gods, when they come up with the international breaks, they just seem, they seem to perfectly align with how to fuck us in terms of getting momentum and building off it. Well, um, but let's be fair though. I mean, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but we do have Newcastle coming back. So well, we thought the same about. I mean, logic. We got fucking done. Yeah, in. I know. I mean, in 
in theory, this is a good way to ease back from the international break. But again, we'll get to that soon. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's, yes, ideally New, Newcastle would be, if you had told me that you got to play United or Newcastle, like pick one. Like I'd obviously rather play Newcastle coming off this break, but um, it just kind of depends on how we are forced to line up. If we're forced to start, I mean, we could have, all of our center backs go out and it turns out Ben Davis is starting against Newcastle and center back or something like that. Like nothing would surprise me at this point after that last international break. Yeah, no, for sure. That was a terrible situation, the last international break and it really damaged us. And you've got to have a bit of sympathy with, with Nuno because, you know, we've been critical and rightly so about the lineups and tactics and other aspects of his management. But I think a lot of that, he was just dealt the most, terrible hand you could even imagine with that situation at the last break and that's a kind of nice segue actually Lucas because that does lead us into we're just going to spend a few minutes kind of assessing where we are with Nuno Um, because we are seven league games into the season now it's still obviously you know it's pretty early but just to take a bit of a pulse check see see how we are um, what we make of him so far Um, we'll maybe end this by giving him like a mark out of 10 Um, you know, on how you think he's doing. Um, but yeah, just to set the, the tone, really. So, you know, we did get those first three wins um, and then things went, you know, quite rapidly downhill with that capitulation versus Palace. We did have a bit of an extenuating situation. We, we were down to 10 men. The Chelsea game, we started that well, but, you know, Chelsea are a, a good team. I think we were not terribly... You know, we can kind of forgive that one, but the Arsenal game was obviously the real nadir of this whole thing. It was an absolute terrible performance. Um, so they had kind of a bit of a redemption with beating Villa in the last game. But let's start with you, Scott, because I think you made a really good point uh, when we talked about the Villa game. And you were saying that, you know, if, if Nuno would have lost that game... The, the wagons would be circling, so to speak, because you're thinking, well, wait a minute, that's four league games on the in a row. It would have been had we lost. Um, and I agree with you. I think his job would have been under serious pressure. We saw. I'm not even football. sure it was the the. the it, I mean, it, it would it would have been the four league games, but it was yeah. the way we've lost those league games. Right. Three nothing. Three nothing. Three nothing. I, I mean. How much worse can it get? Oh, oh, sorry. I guess Arsenal, we did score one. But, you know, it, didn't we? Yeah, it would It yeah, would have we, been. Yeah, it was, was like a last, uh, last yeah, minute. Son got one. Uh, uh, here's, here, here's, here's, a little, here's a little bit of uh, trivia. I, <laughs> that Arsenal game was the first time I turned off, the, turned off a game in probably a good four years. Like, if I've been able to watch a game, I would watch it to the end, no matter what's going on. That one, I was like, I was so disgusted, I, I had to turn the TV off. Um, but I am on the fence with Nuno, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rate him as being on the fence too. Um, I, I think he's got, he's had a few, um, you know, as, as you said, he's, he's, he's had some, some, been dealt some blows to his, you know, to his, his career at Spurs. So I'm not I'm not going to give him the you know I'm not I'm not totally out you know I'm not Nuno out yet. Um, I, I may be leaning towards that sometimes, and certainly during that three run of you know because you know we went up to, you know, we went to New York and spent some time in New York and and went down for a specific trip for that and and 
you know, watch them lose, you know, in a humiliating fashion. Um, so I, I'd give him like a five out of ten right now. Um, I think he's done a few things well, um, but ultimately I need to see more, and I need to see more soon. Yeah, well, that's that's very fair, Scott. And you mentioned about the... I'd actually, it's funny, I'd made the same error with the Arsenal game. I keep thinking that was 3-0 as well, because as far as I'm concerned, that was game over, wasn't it, at half-time? And you've got to say the one consolation goal. And But that would have been the first time, I believe, in Tottenham's history that they would have lost three top-flight games by three goals or more in a a row. It would have been the first time, and uh, obviously we, we got the goal back, so that didn't happen. But as you say, that's a pretty damning state of affairs um so you're yeah. giving me a five that's a good good stuff there scott let's go to you lucas what are what are your thoughts on nuno thus far so i i think my i keep trying to remind myself too not to bash nuno too heavily um because again it's not like we could be too surprised that we haven't seen some renaissance under nuno who was like our 11th choice pick for manager it's not like we really overhauled the squad that much. Um, We knew what these guys were on the pitch. So unless we expected him to come in and be some managerial Nostradamus and just get us to some new untapped level of potential, I don't know what we were really expecting. I think, like I mentioned, we got lured into a false sense of hope in those first three games, but um, we pretty much knew what this squad was. And until the new signings that we've brought in can really get, uh, a foothold in this team and can start maybe contributing, we're really not going to see much different than we've seen under the late stages of Poch or the late stages of Jose, where it's, it's the same guys, you know, like we, we can't act shocked like in that Arsenal game that, uh, that Dyer was caught looking and Dyer and Sanchez had horrible errors that led to three Arsenal goals. Like that couldn't have surprised you at all. That's not like a, it's not a Nuno error. That's the fact that that's who we got. You know, it's like that's our center backs. So I, I don't like to bash Nuno too much, but I think there are a few occasions where he got it wrong. Um, but there's been a couple that he got it right. So I think it is a little early to want to bash him, but I think that this is kind of what I expected Nuno to be. I didn't expect him to come in and have us play in this free flowing attacking football because we just don't have those guys. Um, it's not Nuno's fault. Like Nuno couldn't have expected the fact that Kane wouldn't have a Premier League goal seven games in. Um, Nuno couldn't have told you that like the uh, international break was going to hamstring our entire side for that uh, Palace and Chelsea game. So those ones, I don't really hang on him, but it's the, yeah, I think the Arsenal game, I think he got it very wrong. Um, I think I would have liked to see him make a few changes in that Palace game when the game started going the way it was, um, maybe a halftime changes, stuff like that. But um yeah, I would I would probably say a five out of ten for me, just because I think it's it's too harsh to really blame him for a lot of our problems that have just he's inherited. Um, but I would like to see him start to learn a little bit from his mistakes, which I think we can say. I think with Delhi being a perfect example, I think not starting Delhi against Villa was an example of Nuno learning, saying, "All right, I've had to take this guy off after three straight mediocre performances." you're not getting that fourth shot. We're going to have somebody else out there. And I think that's what we saw against Villa and it worked. So as long as Nuno can keep learning from these mistakes and it's going to be a little bit of a process, it might not be the sexiest thing for us to watch, but um, 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him and I don't want to crucify the guy for the hand that he's been dealt. Yeah, no, good, good stuff, Lucas. And Tommy, obviously asking you the same question, but we, we did actually get a question um, yes. from Shubes that kind of, it fits with this conversation and we'll, we'll kind of throw it in here just, just before you give your answer and your rating, if you don't mind. Um, Shubes' question is, do you see the green shoots of recovery? I've never heard of him before, but Joe brought up like, you know, are we, so the gist of it is, what are we actually kind of seeing a little bit of things are picking up? Are we seeing a revival of the squad? Is this going to revitalize the team based off of the, this, uh, two or two game winning streak so far? Anybody think so or not? Well, so we'll we'll apply that to Nuno, Tommy. Do you think? So, okay. We're gonna we're gonna talk more generally on about him. So we've had those two wins um, that you just alluded to, but where are you in terms of Nuno? Is is it changed your views on him? The fact that we were able to win these two games, or are you still in the dumps after the Arsenal debacle? I'm still, I'm still kind of in, in the dumps. I'm, I'm more disappointed with Arsenal and Crystal Palace because. On paper, we should have beat them. Um, Scott and Lucas have already brought up the points that I would like to make. Like, you know, Nuno got dealt a bad hand. He he came into the team, like, what, a week or two before uh, the season started. So it's like, how are you going to evaluate all these players? But also my frustration, and I've said this before, is like, why isn't Joe Roden playing more? And Lucas said that as well. But also it's probably because he hasn't had time to properly evaluate the team or – uh, the whole Crystal Palace debacle where, like, Romero and Sanchez and whomever weren't able to play because of the whole quarantine situation. So um, some of the things are kind of his undoing, though, like, with, you know, playing three central midfielders, how you said against Crystal Palace, going all-out attack or be more attack-minded against Chelsea while did work in the first half once Conte came on, you know, that massively backfired. So... And I've said this before or earlier, like he's unfortunately he's hamstrung because of the cash flow and we don't have any depth. So he like, yes, he's signed up for this, but it's, he's got to play the cards that he's dealt. So like whether we playing Harry Winks or playing uh Hoiberg start to finish, like, I mean, realistically speaking, Hoiberg is probably going to be playing like, similar to last year. He's going to be playing the most minutes this whole season because he he might not be the most talented player in the squad, but the argument can be made right now is that he is the most important player in the squad because a if if he's not in the midfield we're fucked. Um, and as I said before, he can play D mid, he can play central mid, you know, go box to box and all that good stuff. My only thing is. I get like the, the return leg against Miro. Like we see, like he's got to build depth by playing some of these other players, like playing Brian Heal more, in, especially in the Premier League. Um, Joe Roden as well. Romero, he's got to be starting more consistently. I think it's more. I, I feel that there's more of a feeling out period at this time, and now he's going to play more consistently. Um, Bergvine, I want him to play more again once he gets back from injury. Yeah. Is Sessignon still injured? Because I I don't think he hasn't yeah. featured. No, he's okay. been in so like all season. Yeah. So depending like 
I don't know what Nuno sees him. Is he left back or left winger? But we got we got to see what he has to offer as well. Um, Jack Clark, it's not looking good for him, unfortunately. But play him in some of these scrub teams, whether it be FA Cup or in the or in the Conference League as well. So there's still a lot of options and there's still moving parts. I just unfortunately the pick of teams where you can be afforded to play these players is not great. The other issue is whether against Mira or Ren, like we try to play, we played second tier squads, we scrape by. So that lies within the depth issue as well. So, and I mean, we like I said, we all knew. Nuno? Yes. Okay. And f- fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, we know what's going to happen. I mean, and we know how things are going to happen, but I mean, but back to Shoots' question, unfortunately, I think it's going to be kind of a seesaw type year because we knew this was going to be a year of transition, and it really depends on the team we play. Like, if we're going to play Man United, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, we're probably going to get murdered again one way or another. But, if we're, but like, Leicester, Everton, like, we, I think we have a clear fighting chance. So, I don't – I mean, predictions are very far off, of course, but – with the squad that we have, and if you can juggle it, juggle it and manage it properly, Europa League is still very much with the, within the realm of possibility. Oh, yeah. Lucas, you had Lucas. Right yeah, and so I think with in terms of Subes' question, I think what's important is how do you want to – maybe this is another question within itself – is how do you taper your expectations of what our season is now? Yeah. So to me – like, if yeah. you told me, hey, you can finish 10th, but we'll see some productive growth out of these young players and we'll win the Europa Conference League or whatever and we'll win the League Cup or something, I'll take that every day. Um, yeah. Even Tommy mentioned, it actually might be easier for us to get into Europa via winning the Conference League as opposed Correct. to finishing 5th or 6th. Because, right. I mean, this this Premier League season is up for grabs. There's teams yeah. that seem like West Ham could win it or West Ham could finish 5th or 6th. Villa looks it. Brighton looks amazing. Like there's a lot of teams that are going to be trying to get that fifth and sixth spot. And if you look at this Europa Conference League, other than Roma, yeah. there's really no one in there that like looks threatening. That's now, right. I think the irony, like the ironic part, is that of course that's Jose's Roma, so that that has us losing that champion. Like, we're going to lose in that final no matter what. <laughs> the script, but, the script's been mailed in for that one, hasn't it already? Yeah. Oh, we all know about that. Book tickets now to watch us lose one nil to Jose. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's about for me in terms of like to, to Shubes' question, I think I would feel a lot better as if like if again it wasn't right now has the international break and we're losing all that momentum. But um, I, I definitely think in terms of if you taper your expectations and you say, as long as we, like, we're not probably going to be finishing. Like, we're not, fifth or sixth could be pretty far out, knowing our injuries and what we usually see, like Kane will be out for a month or so, or Sun will probably get some knocks here and there. But yeah, if, if we finish in the top 10, we finish above Arsenal, we win a trophy. To me, I'm like, that's a good deal. Um, I'll yep. take that. I'll take that every day of the week and twice on the Sunday. The key to so. that, the key to that is win a trophy, and I'm not so sure about that anymore. <laughs> I mean, the, but Lucas makes a good point. This Conference League, Ren are the third favourites. Just just shows you, right? So because yeah. there's no Spanish team in it because Villarreal won the 
Europa League. So the Spanish team on a te- they got an extra place in the Europa because uh, they went to the Champions League. Sorry, so it freed up a Europa spot. So it's definitely the most winnable of anything that we're involved in. Um, I agree. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and, Tommy, you gave a very long answer, but you didn't give me any rating on Nuno and you kind of, Oh, what, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just give me one number. What do you give it? Oh, it's the same thing as Sky and Lucas. Five out of ten. Five. All right. Five. I, I think you are all very, very level headed with that. I think that was, I, I was kind of expecting one of you to come with a hot take and go, one <laughs> but you all played it with a straight bat. And I, I think you, you're absolutely correct, actually, um, for the reasons that you already went into. And I won't really uh, add any elaboration on them. The only thing I will say, as, as bad as the Arsenal game was, and we, we, you know, I listened to the podcast last week and it was, you know, we talked about that. But the encouragement for me is that he seems to learn from his mistakes a little bit. In, and I use this Sunday against Villa. We talked about that. Best eleven. He does seem to be learning, right? So Delhi has been got has gone out the team now because he's not been playing well enough. And Romero's come in because Sanchez is a like. You know, we're starting to see him making the correct decision. The fact it's taken all these games to get there is a little disappointing. But I oh, think but hang on. Mourinho that. never Mourinho never figured that out, and neither did Potts really. I mean. So if there is a little bit of learning that's going on, I'm that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's a stubborn guy. I think he seems, and this kind of touches on something that you'd mentioned, Scott, and I'll just wrap up this segment with this comment, is there was a story today um, in The Athletic that Nuno's contract, although it's a two-year contract, it's weighted in, in such a way that if Spurs aren't in the top six, I think something like six months in to the uh, contract, then Spurs can basically fire Nuno and not pay him any compensation. So you think Levy's kind of smart with these deals, isn't he? Like, you know, we know the Mourinho thing where if he fired Mourinho, if Spurs weren't in the top six when Mourinho was fired, he only had to pay him a fraction of the compensation he was due. And as soon as Spurs fell out the top six for a day, (laughs) he fired him straight away to, to... you know, make use of that clause. And I, I won't be surprised if there's something similar with Nuno's contract. I think it's for him, steady the ship, usher out the older players, the players that we don't really want to see have a future and try and bring in the youngsters like Tommy talked about, Brian Heal, um, you know, Romero, get him in the team consistently. And I think we'll we'll be in a good place if if that happens. Um so, uh, yeah, so my, I'm going to give him a five as well. Fives across the board for Nuno. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, all right. We do have a game to preview. It's not for a few days. <laughs> it's not until the uh, 17th of October, actually, when we'll be playing Newcastle away. Um, so, Newcastle, we're going up to the northeast. Um, let's have a look at their form. So, they lost to Wolves last time out to one. Drew with Watford, Drew with Leeds, lost to Manchester United, Drew with Southampton. Um, their best player is St. Maximan, who is their best, um, most goals and most assists is from him and actually best rating as well um, from St. Maximan. He's the danger man. Um, I know it's kind of hard to predict this one, folks, because it's uh, a bit of a way away and we don't know what's going to happen in internationals. Maybe half our team's going to come back injured yeah. or... Shush! 
Yeah, gosh, touching wood, as I say. Um, what do we reckon about Newcastle away? Let's start with Scott. Well, I, I, I'll probably be disproven quite quickly, but all my memories of of going up to Newcastle are are bad. <laughs> I mean, I remember you know the, the shellacking we got on the the last day of of the season. I remember losing. Um, on, we seem to lose to them at, at, at very key points in our, in our seasons. Um, and it's always nervy going up to, to Newcastle, I think just, and, and somebody has got to eventually explain to me why they, they are, they just stick all of our supporters up in the top corner when we have to give everybody else, you know, really nice seats to our stadium. I want to know that. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think I think we'll go up, and I think we'll, you know, barring anything that happens in, you know, during the internationals, I, I think we'll we'll probably put put on a a decent show if if we continue the way we have been playing, you know, at least against Villa. Um, Newcastle certainly aren't the quality of Villa, um, and I think that we can take them. Yep, Lucas, what do you reckon? Well, so this one for me kind of ties to what Joe you had mentioned there with learning like from mistakes. Um, this is a really similar situation to coming back, even though I think Palace is much better than Newcastle. This is a similar one where we now come back and we're playing Newcastle, just like when we came back, we're playing Palace. I know there was all that international break problems that we had, but we still came out with a pretty shit mentality, and we looked like again. I think we had the we touched the ball. We didn't touch the ball in Crystal Palace's box from the 10th minute to halftime. Like, I don't care who is injured from the international break. If you're playing a team like that, you have to have the mentality of trying to go forward and get goals, and we didn't see it. And unfortunately, the reason I'm tying that one in uh, the Palace game, that is, is because of right after that, you knew we had Chelsea, and our next three Premier League games were going to be Chelsea, Arsenal, and Villa. So those were three games, and that Palace game was very important that we get the result there, and we choked it. So this one's similar, where Newcastle, yeah, I, we could have some tough international break, could do us some poor fortune, but after that we have West Ham away, and then we have uh, Manchester United, and then yep. or I think, and then it's Everton away. Those are our next three games after uh, Newcastle. So even if we're dealt some poor hands in terms of fitness or whatever quarantine bullshit. We have no choice but to try and go forward and get these three points. They're massive because on the back of that, again, is West Ham, Man United, and Everton. This is a game we can't afford to drop points. So I'm really hoping we see us learn from the last international break where we come out with the proper mentality and we put this game to bed. Yeah, yeah. Good points, Lucas. I think we actually have four away games in a row coming up now because we've got, like you rightly said, Lucas, we've got Newcastle away, West Ham away. And we also have in the Conference League Vitesse away, and we have Burnley in the League Cup as well, which is away. So um, you know we're going to have to figure it out on the road. Tommy, what do you think about this Newcastle game coming up next? As I said earlier, on paper this is a ideal situation, but we are, as Scott said, Newcastle has screwed us over in the past. Um, Lucas said with the quarantine with uh, whether it be Romero, Emerson. Romero and Emerson should be starting, as I said earlier. So 
um, because of that, like, if they're out for Newcastle, that's going to suck. Because from uh, if I remember correctly, the last international game is either Tuesday or Wednesday. So depending on how many days it is to get back to Hosper Way, th- that means they'll miss it. Um, the game is on Sunday, so that extra day might help out. I just don't know the uh, actual rules and regulations. Um, the, it's a double-edged sword for Newcastle, where they it's at home, but they are also 19th place. So you know that, A, it's Spurs, but they're going to be up for it. So this could easily be that perfect storm of a trap game. I I mean, I'm going to predict a win just based off of what's on the paper on paper, but this this could easily be this could this could easily be that game where we could lose. And so Nuno's got to a make sure these players practice hard during the international break and keep them motivated because, and keep that momentum going against West Ham. Cause that that's gotta be the only way to go moving forward. Yeah. I think um, it might be an advantage for us playing at Newcastle at their place. Cause they, it's pretty toxic at the moment towards Steve Bruce from the Newcastle fans. Like you'd, you'd mentioned Tommy there, they're in 19th place. Um, in the table and the, the fans, I know this for a fact because my brother's a Newcastle fan. They are as much as we're annoyed with our owners and annoyed in the general state of things at Tottenham. Uh, you know, quite rightly, in, in a lot of cases, Newcastle are much, <laughs> much more angry about what the hell is going on at their club with Mike Ashley. And there's, yeah, I don't envy their situation whatsoever. Yeah, so they, maybe that'll play into our hands a little bit, especially if we start the game strongly. We perhaps get the crowd kind of on their back a little bit. Um, early on um but yeah it, it's it is hard. like you mentioned the Romero and the South American situation Tommy I don't know if they're going to be able to play I, I really don't because I believe and I'll check this but I think the last game that Argentina are involved with is quite late in the week so they're actually only going to be back in London or back in the country you know might even go straight to Newcastle for a, a few days um so I don't know how that's going to oh they have to isolate don't they so they can't go back to Newcastle yeah, either way, I don't think they're going to play in this game, which is unfortunate, but I, I don't think they will. Um, so, any we can go straight into predictions, or does anyone have any other groundbreaking observations to make about Newcastle? <laughs> oh, Joe, quick thing. Um, I actually was wrong about the qual- or combinable qualifiers. So, Argentina, Colombia, and Brazil both play that Thursday. Yeah, so it's late on, right? Yeah, at the end of the yeah, week. Yeah, so and they play at six o'clock Chicago, right. six o'clock, six thirty local time. So which means they're not going to be back in London probably mid afternoon at the earliest on Friday. So yeah. it's safe to assume they're not going to play. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And with that in mind, I'll start with the predictions. I think we're going to draw. It'll be pretty underwhelming. I think if we did have our best team, I think if we had the team that we played against Villa on Sunday, we would. We I'd fancy us to win this game, but I suspect we'll kind of like you guys have hit on so far. The backups are not up to the standard, right? So if Romero comes out the team, Sanchez comes in the team. There's the drop off is 
staggering between those two players. Um, Emerson, similarly, I mean, I do like Tanganga, but I going forward, he's not he's not a very good attacking fullback, and we know how bad Doherty is. So there's you'd have to play Tanganga. I, I, I I'd much rather Emerson play this game. So for these reasons, I'm going to say one-one draw. And Harry Kane eventually to score a Premier League goal for us um, in this one. One one. Let's go to Lucas. Yeah, I, I don't think this this one's gonna be a exciting one to watch. Um, but I think we're gonna get it done. Um so I think we're gonna win uh three one. I think this is just gonna be one of those games where Harry's able to finally come back and it might be an underwhelming game, but I think Harry's gonna finally break out and put the team on his back a little bit. So Three one, and I'm going to say Kane brace and Lucas scores. Okay, good stuff. I like your prediction better than mine, Lucas. Um, Tommy, what do you reckon? Okay, as note to what I said, I am predicting a win. I'm going to say two one, Kane and Son. Um, actually, quick question: Joe might know, um, just because you're well, well rounded with your soccer education. Is there's nothing going to be? There's no issue with like Asian players coming back from qualifiers or the international break. Is there? No, no issue with what? Sorry, like Asian, like coming from Asia, so like Sun, for example. Oh, I don't think uh, so because I I think think it's just I think it's all based on like where like the the types of zones in terms of like. Oh, okay. like based on like COVID numbers, like oh, like this country is considered a like a it's red zone, hotbed, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, the, so I, I don't think I don't think there's any problems with Sun coming back. But again, that's just me coming off the top of my head. But oh, no, gotcha. I, I think you're right, Lucas. So the the reason it was an issue with Argentina and Brazil is because they were designated like red. Zone. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a hotbed, like red, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of issues and all, but like, so I'll um I think we're gonna struggle just because of the team that we're gonna probably have to bring out. Um, Kane, I Kane's still a safe bet because I mean he's still scoring. He's not in the Premier League, so he's eventually he's got to be eventually due. And Son, I mean that's another safe bet. So why not? All right, Scott, what do you think for this one? I'm going to go with 2-1. Uh, that seems to be what, if if we have something that's, you know, positive that's going on, that's what's going to be. Um, I think I think Sun is going to get one, and I think uh, Lucas will probably get another one. Well, you're all much more optimistic than I am, um, <laughs> which is good. All right, then. Well, let's hope that comes to fruition. Let's hope we do get a win in this one. Um, because you know what? Let's note, let's end on a note of positivity here. As much of a clusterfuck as it's been with the Palace game and the uh, Arsenal game in particular, we're still above Arsenal in the league as at the time of recording. And we're above West Ham in the league. And we're above Leicester in the league. Um, so it's, you know... That Arsenal, that Arsenal one was my favourite, though, with... Um how they had like they all like basically I saw like the they took like an end of the season type photo of them. Oh yeah. Like they had just they had just won the league basically last week and then eight days later they're back below us. So that made me smile a little bit this weekend knowing that some things righted themselves. Yeah. 
No, I think I think they got the tea lady in that picture, didn't they? With the, the yeah, whole, oh, definitely the whole staff, the ones that they didn't furlough. You know, everyone was there, weren't they? Every everyone was in that picture. Um, you know, that's their cup their, final now. That's Gunnarsoris, though. Oh no, yeah, yeah. They already sacked him in COVID. <laughs> well, it's like you know the way I see it now. It, like Arsenal's relationship with us is kind of what like West Ham's used to be. You know, they they're they, very they, West Hammy. They beat us in a league game, and they're acting like it's uh, you know some remarkable occasion. Whereas in the you know 15 years ago, if they beat us in the league game, they wouldn't even bat an eyelid. It was the norm. So that's kind of a sign of the way things have gone. Um, excellent. Well, guys, let's let's close up then. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening. So I'm going to say thanks to Tommy for editing and sound, Anthony for scheduling and production notes, Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media, Lucas for Luke's Locks, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill for having a place to watch the match, if not the recording space in this era where we do some of these podcasts uh, remotely. Find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Find us on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our pod and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook for, at Forced Our Spurs and our website at forcedourspurs.com. So thank you to Tommy, Scott and Lucas. And come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.